This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morris, and this week we're taking an in-depth look at the legacy of Bates throwers on and off the field with six-time All-American and 2010 Bates graduate Van Teel Elizabeth Duncan. Tennis picked up a couple of NESCAC victories, and rowing won the President's Cup again. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. After some close losses over the weekend, the Bates softball team swept Fisher in a doubleheader on Monday. They mercy ruled the opposition 14 to nothing in game one and stayed hot with a 9-2 victory in Game 2. Senior Karen Lockhart hit a total of three home runs over the course of the two games. Well, Karen, three home runs for you yesterday against Fisher on your home field. How sweet was that? That was pretty amazing. Um, and also just amazing to get the first wins of the season, um, especially for you know Kylie and Sam. They got their first career wins. That was great for them. Um, as a team, collectively, we hit really well. Um, I think everybody just did their job and uh, we got the wins that we really wanted to get. And game one, four runs right off the bat. I mean, how big of a confidence boost was that for the team? That's always, that's huge to start out strong and to score first. That's kind of always our goal, um, whether we're home or away, to, to be kind of the first runs on the board to get the game started. Um, I think Trey and Emma both singled, so um, to get kind of those two runs first and then two more on top of that um, was a great start, and it kind of continued on through the rest of the game. I know Sunday was a heartbreaking loss to Thomas, and you were able to move on and get doubleheader sweep. What does it say about the team being able to bounce back like that? That was great, and I think also being able to bounce back in the Thomas game from the first game. Um, we had a tough loss in the first game, and then putting that behind us um, and moving on to the second game, being able to mix things up, um, and then, yeah, just coming hot with the bats, good pitching, good defense um, was great. Both tennis programs won on Sunday. The women's team defeated Connecticut College 5-4, while the 24th nationally ranked men's team easily beat the Camels 9-0. Head coach Paul Gassingay was especially proud of the women's team's ability to pull out a very close match. They were excited, and um, I think it was, it was fun for them to be at home, but they're, they're also all a year older. We had a, a really nice uh, win from the first year at number six, Hannah Londoner, uh, which was huge. Uh, we had our two seniors uh, at three doubles who played uh, amazing doubles yesterday. They were down, they came back strong, um, and our two doubles was phenomenal. They've just been on a tear. Um, and, our, and our one doubles is playing really strong too. They had a great win against Babson, very decisive. I think it was 8-1 or 8-2 last week. Um, so they're, they're all playing really strong doubles, which is what you want to see with your team as the season progresses. You want to see, see the doubles play get better. That means they're, you know, they're working on the right things. They're, they're understanding you know, what they have to do, and they're executing. Sunday was a special day for the Bates rowing programs. Not only did they win the 20th annual President's Cup over Bowden and Colby, they also broke ground on their new boathouse. We caught up with senior captain Emma Taylor to talk all things Bates rowing. 
Having everybody participate in All Boats Race and All Boats Win this week was really fantastic because we were able to show the depth of the program and that we really have strong top to bottom girls. So whether it's the first varsity boat or the novice boat, we are very strong and pretty fast. And it was kind of a, not a big story, but like, oh, Colby briefly led at the first varsity boat race. Was there any reaction from you guys? I didn't even notice that. Not, we try not to notice that. So our race plan is very much, we come out strong, but our race plan is like calm, hold, fight, and um, unload. So we were very calm and that's kind of, we know how fast we are in our, the body of the race. So that's our most important part is that people can come out strong. Colby did that to us this week. Last week, um, Trinity and Wellesley did that to us as well. So we know that people get off the line very fast. That's just not our style. Um, so they come off very fast, get very frantic. Then they kind of settle to a lower race pace than us. So we're able to just kind of fly right by that, hold them, and then unload at the end. Nice. And then for the President's Cup, obviously, uh, great atmosphere, a lot, lots of food for the rowers, coordinated mostly, if, if I understand it correctly, by your parents. Is this something they do for a lot of regattas, just the President's Cup, or how does it work? They are the um, food extraordinaires on the team. So since my sophomore year, they have been running all of the food, all of the parents. Our parent network is absolutely incredible we have so many people that support us so much by so every week we have food we have a food tent um, my dad cooks burgers but parents bring salads and fruit and desserts and everything and it's really like a whole team they they're a team all in themselves <laughs> um, they are such a network and they really do care so much and they help us out so much which is wonderful my dad just happens to coordinate it all <laughs> outstanding and then obviously the one thing that was different about this weekend was the fact that you had the groundbreaking for the new boathouse I mean, you're a senior, but what do you think the new boathouse will mean for the, the underclassmen as they move forward? What I hope, so I'm kind of echoing what Coach said, was that I hope it doesn't change our team personality-wise. We come from such small, <laughs> a small boathouse, not much, no running water or electricity, you know? But we're still such a powerhouse team, and it kind of humbles us in a way. So I hope we still keep that humility, but in this new boathouse, oh my gosh, it will be so fantastic for the program because we'll be able to just take that next step up so get even faster get even stronger by having ergs right at the boathouse by having bathrooms there by having being able to stay warm when it's really cold out so it takes those hardships and kind of eliminates them and gets us even faster i know i asked kosho was there any concern if the, you know the team might become too comfortable or whatever he's like well i can always turn the heat off <laughs> right exactly <laughs> so the boathouse is nice but i mean especially for the people that will be here so i won't be there obviously but for our juniors sophomores and freshmen they'll still be able to say like you know we still have that old boathouse remember that keep that tradition alive that we come from such small beginnings but we are now a powerhouse and we are kind of established in the NASCAC. Yeah, and then this weekend, I believe you're hosting another event here at, um, on the Androscoggin River. So tell us a little bit about this. Um, so I, we call it like the Big Cat Cup because everybody that's invited are all cats. Okay. Um, <laughs> so we're the Bobcats. Middlebury is the Panthers, I believe, and UNH is the Wildcats. Right. So we're all, we're all cats. <laughs> um, so this will be just another great um way for us to show some speed and really get some good competition because UNH is not in the NESCAC. Um, so we'll see some outside NESCAC competition. It'll be fun. All right, Emma, thanks so much. Thank you very much. Track and field continues to make headlines. For the second straight week, junior Allison Hill earned the NESCAC Track Performer of the Week Award. 
She won the 100-meter hurdles at the UNH Wildcat Invitational with a time of 14.57 seconds, clipping .26 seconds off her own program record and tying the 11th best time in Division III. She also tied Dana Lindauer's program record in the 200-meter dash with a time of 25.49 seconds. Meanwhile, sophomore Sally Cisse won the triple jump with a top effort of 38 feet and 2 inches, 2 and 3 fourth inches shy of the team record she set a week ago. But our female Bobcat of the Week this week is first-year Aiden Eikhoff. She won the 1,500-meter race with a time of 4 minutes, 41.82 seconds. Her outstanding performance puts her 7th on the all-time Bates performance list. Joined by female Bobcat of the Week, Aiden Eikhoff, to talk about the last uh, meet there in New Hampshire, a big one for you. First time running the 1,500 meters outdoors. Not only did you win it, you immediately got a spot on the top 10 list all time here at Bates. I mean, were you surprised at, at all by that performance? How, what, what was your reaction when you found out? Uh, I was surprised by, by my performance. I um, haven't run the 1,500 for about a year. And going into it, I was hoping that I would break five. And then as I got closer to the finish line and I saw I was at like three, 4.30, I was really, really excited. And I definitely picked up the pace a little bit just, just to see just how fast I could get. Um, I was really lucky in the race to have someone who was kind of leading the race. I could stay right behind who I knew would run a good pace. And so that was one of the reasons why I think I ran so well that day. And you're going up against, I mean, Division One competition, right? And you're able to beat them. I mean, what does that mean to you? <laughs> well, yes, they were Division One. Uh, I don't know if they brought their whole best team <laughs> to the meet, um, but yeah, it was it was really nice to be able to run with someone who I knew was going to set a good pace and then beat them at the end. So that was cool. Now you're from a town called Corvallis, Montana, western part of Montana, a town of about 900 people. What was that like growing up for you? Uh, actually, surprisingly, we had a very, very competent track team, and so I actually was able to grow up with great coaches, great, great staff, and being a really competitive program that pushed me as an athlete. And um, I picked Bates as a good balance between academics, and I knew it had a very competent track team that I could really compete with. How did you even find out about Bates? I mean, growing up in Montana, right? Uh, my parents uh, did some graduate school on the East Coast, so they actually knew the area a bit. I had really no clue where I wanted to go. I knew I wanted to go to a small school, um, and Bates was that. <laughs> Does Lewiston seem like, I mean, a pretty big city for you? <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, Lewiston is a big city for me. Um, thankfully, it's kind of spread out, so at least this corner of Lewiston, it doesn't seem too overwhelming but yes <laughs> and then obviously we have indoor track and outdoor track here how has the transition from each season gone for you uh well i've actually never done indoor track before um coming to bates so it was very interesting to when i ran the 800 to have to run four laps instead of two and that was an interesting transition and um, i'm actually really excited to run it again next year because i really really liked it and one thing that was nice about it was that there was really constant conditions and for outdoor track, especially in Maine, we don't really have a lot of that. And I think that's one of the things that um, really pushed me to run a good time this weekend is that it was a very nice day out and we were really set up to run a good time. Yeah, you mentioned the change of conditions on perfect timing. It was sunny earlier, I just felt a raindrop. <laughs> yeah. but, um, but I know you also play soccer here yeah. at Bates. Was that the intent originally to play uh, you know, multiple sports? Um, yes, I had 
when I graduated from high school, I knew that I didn't want to give up either soccer or track. And so once I found out that I was going to Bates, I emailed the soccer coach and was like, hey, I'm coming here. I'm going to try out. And it worked out really well. Okay, so you were recruited for track, yep. but you kind of figured you want to play soccer also. So how did the soccer season introduce you to collegiate athletics? Um, I really, really enjoyed the soccer season. Um, it was a very competitive level, actually. NESCAC is one of the best um, collegiate groups for soccer. And so I was really, really lucky to be able to watch and participate in some really high-level soccer. Do you talk at all with the other student athletes like Allie Hill, for instance, who do multiple sports about how they balance everything? Yeah, actually, Al Allie Hill and I have become really good friends this year. Um, and it is like really great to have her as a mentor for both soccer and track now. And then going forward, what are some of your goals the remainder of this outdoor season? Um, my goals, hmm. I do want to be able to compete with some of the other NESCAC athletes in the 1500. I know there's a couple girls from Bowdoin and Colby who can run a very competent 15 and especially Williams and Middlebury. So as I, I was looking at their times today actually, and I'm really, really excited to be able to compete to get them at, um, at NESCACs. And I, I'm just really looking forward to the rest of the season. Hopefully I can drop my 800 time a few seconds, but the 1500, that time kind of surprised me, so I'm hoping maybe I can cut a few seconds down on that as well. All right, great. Uh, Aiden Eikhoff, our female Bobcat of the Week. Thanks so much. Thank you. The men's track and field team also excelled at the UNH Wildcat Invitational, finishing second in the meet ahead of Division I Maine. Sophomore Adedire Fakariti won the discus throw with a top effort of 160 feet, 8 inches, establishing a new career best. Senior Nick Margitza won the shot put, Junior Jeffrey Jones won the triple jump, and Junior Michael Horowitz won the 1,500 meters. But our male Bobcat of the Week this week is first-year Tyler Harrington. He won the javelin throw with a top effort of 187 feet 8 inches, putting him in sixth place on Bates' all-time performance list and in 25th place in the National Division III rankings. Joined by our male Bobcat of the Week, Tyler Harrington, here on the Bates Bobcast. First of all, obviously a big uh, performance for you in the javelin over the weekend. What really worked for you in that, in that particular meet, you thought? Yeah, well, I really worked hard all through the week, and uh, I kind of plateaued early in the year, and you know, I finally connected on one, and uh, I just carried it through the rest of the rest of the meet, and it was great. And then, obviously, um, you know, top ten list already for you, right? Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. So, uh, what does that mean to you? Uh, I'm pretty excited. You know, I came in here trying to – I want to you know, break that top 10 list pretty early, and I'm, I'm very happy I did so, and I couldn't do it without my coaches. You know, they really helped me out, and uh, it was great. I'm really happy. The theme recently for us, at least, has been like the legacy of great throwers here at Bates, and you all were here today doing a camp. Tell us a little bit about this. Yeah, well, the camp's great. Uh, a lot of people, it's for, uh, for a lot of kids in Maine. They don't get a lot of opportunities to go to camps like this, so we hosted a camp for them, and uh, we got to throw jab, disc, and a uh, shot, and it was great. Everybody got to come out. It was great to finally teach someone after uh, learning after <laughs> learning the whole year. So it was yeah. awesome. It was a great time. How did you get into javelin? Well, I was a baseball pitcher for a while, and um, at freshman year of high school, I kind of stopped. And the next year, sophomore year, I decided to pick up javelin, join the track team, and it was great. I mean, it kind of translated right through. It was awesome. And what initially um, prompted you to look into Bates? Well, I wanted to play football here. I also play football on the right. football team. Right. Yeah. Um, I definitely wanted to look at a great school like Bates, that Descac school, and uh, I kind of want to stay close to home. It's only two hours, so I looked at Bates and Bowdoin, that other school, you know. But uh, <laughs> um, but I chose Bates, I chose right, and I love it here. So. Yeah, and how great is it to be able to play football and do track? It's great. I, I it's great. I've been part of two teams, and uh, 
it's really fun being here. It's really fun being on the football team. Like going to the spring after that, and they get to throw javelin too. Like my favorite thing. So. And then football already beat Colby and Bowden this year, and then you've yeah. got um, the main state meet coming up here yeah. in outdoor, right? Yeah, we want to. We want to take that too. We want to. I definitely want to beat them twice. So, I'm really excited. And then as a first year, what, what what have you learned the most from? You mentioned you touched on it earlier, learning a lot. What have you learned the most from some of the upperclassmen? Well, you know, Nick and D-Ray, you know, they don't really do javelin, but I definitely right. learned, you know, the work ethic from those guys. You know, they, I see them, you know, Nick, and they they didn't throw really far initially. They had to work at it, and I kind of picked that up from them. And it's been great working with them. And it definitely made me better. And how about Co- Coach Fresh? What's he like? Oh, he's great. You know, we have a lot of fun, but you know, we we're serious too. And. Uh, Fresh really taught me a lot of things. Like I came in here thinking I knew almost everything about the job, and my reality, I know nothing, almost nothing, <laughs> almost nothing. And he really helped me out, and it's awesome, you know. So last question for you: What are some goals for you personally moving forward here? Well, I wanna, I wanna, you know, I wanna make nationals this year. That's one of my big goals. I'm a, I'm a few feet off. I want to keep building on that, and um, I, I just want to help the team out. I want to win main state meet. I want to win the SCACs. I want to, want to win all these meets. Uh, Sounds like a plan, Tyler. Thanks so much. Thank you very much. With Bates throwers continuing to excel at the national level, it's time to take a closer look at what they're doing off the field as well. On Monday, the Bates throwers held a free throwing clinic for kids from around the state of Maine and beyond. The clinic is in its sixth year and is led by 2010 Bates graduate and six-time All-American Fantille Elizabeth Duncan. We sat down with Duncan for a wide-ranging discussion on the importance of the free-throwing clinic and what it means to be a Bates thrower. Al said he called you the the mother of this camp. (laughs) Yes. um, The clinic is amazing. The Bates throwing clinic started um, from a crazy idea when I came out of nationals. It was um, something in which I had gone to our coach, Jay, for the head of the women's uh, track and field, and to Coach Fresh and said, look, We are awesome at Bates throwing. I was a high schooler in Maine and I didn't have a coach. Why don't we create an opportunity for kids from all around the state to come and learn from us, learn from kids, learn from the people who know the best. And that's it. Um, So we, uh, my first year, we actually had it, it was actually a two day event and we uh, had middle schoolers and high schoolers and now six years later we have people from Pasquatiquis, uh dover's foxcroft like it's crazy it's amazing i remember in past years that we've come we've had people from aroostook county all the way to kids who drove from connecticut that came up so i'm really really happy to see the progression and this is not only for our student uh, this is not only for the youth and the students in the community but it's also for our throwers this whole entire you know my idea originally was let's pass the knowledge that I have to people who were like me when I was in high school but then you know when you think about it you're you're teaching kids you're teaching kids you're coaching kids on things that you love to do you absolutely love to do so you're going to get into it you're going to even find what they're doing you do in your natural throwing pattern and then you're talking about it And then also for a uh, female thrower, I think that that's the most positive, uh, uh, the most positive image that you can see is that there are women throwers that are in college, they're having fun, they're doing this, you can do it too. Um, I think that that's of the niche of throwing itself. Female throwers, no matter what you're throwing, javelin, shot put, uh, discus, 
a hammer, you're going to find, you're not going to find that many women there. So seeing, having these youth girls, seeing other women doing well and continuing from high school into college or starting in college and keeping it up until your senior year, the best thing that I could ever wish for. One of the themes this week has been kind of the legacy that Bates throwers have handed down, right? Mm. And we've talked about how on the field what the legacy is, but also I know you've brought up off the field as well, just uh, some of the influence Bates throwers have had, you know, men and women. Tell us a little bit more about that. Sure. So the legacy is so, so, so deep, and it's so rooted. Um, these students who are working their tails off every single day drilling, and it's only because, really, they know when they go to Massachusetts, there will be throwers there cheering for them. Um, and those throwers, some of them have been um, women of the woman of the year. We have Liz Wanless on the women's side who was woman of the year, NCAA woman of the year. Uh, we have Keelan Godsey, who basically, hands down, was the best thrower that ever came through Bates, no matter what year you're looking at. Um, and from post Bates, made a huge stand for throwing and transgender athletes, which is something that is so, it's kind of hush-hush. And when he went to the, the trials and he made it to the finals, he was so close to going and being on Team USA. And on every, you know, you had Washington Post talking about, you know, a alumni thrower from Bates and how, not only how awesome they are, but the social concept of transgender and athletics and where do people belong and should we even have genders in the first place? Like, it was amazing and I was so so proud because that was that's the legacy that all of these students have coming. You mentioned the friendly rivalry. I know you and D-Ray earlier were you know joking around about you know <laughs> whatnot. What's what's that like your relationship with the current students? Um so it's very funny. Um <laughs> this current student and I think that I may be one of the more active alums when it comes to Going, I only go to a, I only, I'm going to be honest, I only go to a few meets because I'm originally from Topsom, um, and I can't wait for Aloha's, which is going to be in Brunswick in my hometown um, this weekend. But those rivalry, it's just reminding them who has come before them and know that if we can do it, then you definitely can do it. And you shouldn't have any excuses at all because we went through it. And now, if anything, you have more tools, more resources, the internet, like yeah. Coach, Coach Fresh now has, before I remember, I think it was maybe my junior and senior year or senior year, Coach Fresh was like taping us with this, um, this like high tech video, what have you. <laughs> and then he, like every week we would get the, get the little files back and we would be looking at it and it was very grainy, but it was helpful. Yeah. Now these kids have, you know, they have their coach fresh taping them on an iPad. Like there is no excuse <laughs> for them to have like, for them to not have great playback, to not know where the, the positions for, I mean, an example, not know, you know, the arm has to be a certain way, you're blocking too low, you know, your foot is not uh, straight enough. Those excuses don't exist. So with me, with uh, D-Ray <laughs> D and I, it's hilarious only because um, 
also, you know, D-Ray, he is, when I first, what it is is when I first met D-Ray, he didn't know who I was. I came over in an indoor meet and um, Katie, who I was mentioning, had said, oh, there's Vantiel, there's Vantiel, there's Vantiel. And I come over just to cheer. And then he had heard and he was like, who in the world is Van Teal? And I was like, you should know your history. And this is another thing about, you know, Batesies is that I knew exactly who came before me. Yeah. And that's part of the legacy. That's hard. That's what a Bates thrower is. Knowing your knowing who came before and what you have to strive to even, you know, break a top 10 list. Um, let alone go to nationals or anything. Like just being, if you look at our top 10 list on both the women's and the men's side, those are performances that could easily qualify for a NESCAC list. When you look at the men's, could qualify for an ECAC list, for the women's as well, and some events, and then uh, for Hammer and stuff. Some of Keelan still has, for all I know, Keelan still has the national record, um, no matter what division you're looking at. And so it's not something that's completely, um, it's not new. And he should expect it, and he does expect it. And so that's where the playfulness comes from, is just alums ragging on the new on the ragging on the on the students saying you know don't make us look bad like we we came before you we may be old but we still have the <laughs> expectations that you know your coaches have for you because we proudly you know there's a lot of uh there are a lot of alums out there who proudly wear their sweatshirts their caps and we want to talk and i anytime anyone talks to me about baits and about my baits ring you know, I talk about track and I want them to go onto the track list and not really read about me. I want them to read about them and how awesome they are and how, you know, how they just beat toughs or how they just beat a competitor. Yeah. And that's another thing is that I feel like there's no, um, it's a program like this, especially in the state of Maine, there are uh, with the clinic, there has been, I, I don't see any type of free clinic where throwers can come and just throw. Um, compared to our other institutions, we're it. Yeah. So, um, so if the only thing, I mean, the real cost that you have to do is just drive. And like I said, we had people who drove two hours away. Um, so that makes it special too. That these students are not only kind of doing awesome at the meets, you know, being NESCAC performer here or, you know, Bates athlete of the week or whatever (laughs) here you you know I expect that like that's not that's (laughs) like yeah and that's not that is definitely not what I mean it's definitely very great I mean it's fantastic laurels um they should be proud but it is also kind of expected sorry um (laughs) you decided to join Bates you decided you know you decided to join the throwing squad you know your history so do what you will with it and rock it out so we can really cheer for you and just say, hey, that guy goes to my school. And, yeah, I was used to throw. And I'm and like D-Ray said, I'm old, so he really shouldn't have any excuse. He should just be throwing, throwing far, throwing wide, um, and just rocking it out and having fun. All right, Vantiel, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. And hopefully we'll see this camp for many years in the future as well. Yes, yes, yes. I really, truly um, hope so. I hope this is truly ingrained into the Bates uh, legacy, and I'm very proud. And now for something completely different. The Bates Ultimate Frisbee teams are not varsity sports. 
They are club sports, but they're the two best ultimate Frisbee teams in northern New England. We talked with men's team captain Emmett Shipway and women's team captain Claire Bartell about their success. Joined here by Emmett and Claire, captains of the men's and women's ultimate teams respectively. And first of all, great sectionals for both your teams this past weekend. I know you beat Colby, Bowden, and Middlebury. Emmett, tell us a little bit about the success of the men's team so far this year. It's been a great year. Um, this sectionals performance kind of shows how much we've improved over, over my four years. Um, when I was a freshman, we could barely hang with Bowdoin, but we still ended up losing in Middlebury. We weren't even close. Um, and now it's now it's my senior year, and we, we beat Bowdoin pretty badly, and then Middlebury, we did we beat them twice um, to get to regionals, so it's great. I know the women's team also undefeated there at sectionals, going to regionals as well, and I know you were saying off the air about how big it was to, to beat Bowdoin, because that's obviously a, a big rival and a team with a good ultimate tradition as well, right? Uh, yeah, we've been doing really great this year. I think the men's and women's teams have both um, showed up and played really, really well. Um, we have a good group of people this year, and um, one of our freshman captains, Josie Gillette, she's, she's on the national team this year. But we have um, a lot of experienced seniors and a lot of good underclassmen as well, so it's exciting that we can grow with the sport and continue to perform even when the sport is growing overall. Yeah, obviously a very uh, fast-growing sport and a little bit, you know, stereotypical, like the popular thing on college campuses to play ultimate frisbee, but you guys play at a very high competitive level. How did you first get into ultimate? I always threw frisbees when I was little with my dad, um, and then I, I originally I didn't like it because he hit me in the hands too hard one time, and I just I gave it up for a couple years. But then when I got here, you know, you come in, you sign up for a lot of things, and then, you know, I stuck with Ultimate because suddenly I had 100 new friends, you know, on the men's and women's team, a bunch of people that I, I had this network of people that I had something in common with. Um, and then I just fell in love with the sport and stuck with it. And as for you? Yeah, Seattle. I'm from Seattle, and they have a pretty big uh, youth scene there. So I played in middle school and high school and then came to college knowing that I was going to play. Got to ask you about the possibility of going to nationals because I know the men's and women's teams, they've been very successful, but I've never gone to nationals. What do you think your chances are? What will it take? Um, we are an outside shot for sure. <laughs> um, but that doesn't mean, I mean, we surprised ourselves at regional or at sectionals. There was a little bit of confusion as to how many bids there were going to be, but now we know it's two, and so we have to come top two. And, you know, those, those, no, none of those guys is going to leave anything out on the field next weekend. So we, we believe. Absolutely. And then on your end, top four go to nationals, right? Yeah, yeah. We have a couple more bids out of regionals, which is very exciting. I think we have, as long as we keep working hard, there's definitely a chance that we can do it, which is very exciting. For anyone who's interested in learning more about how they can join the ultimate team or learning more information about it, where they sh who should they contact, where should they go? The team is the team is huge. Um, so there's a lot of kids that that play ultimate. Um, we had we have an indoor league in the winter, and 100 kids signed up for for indoor. So we have you know four or five percent of the student body plays ultimate frisbee, which is great. Um, but then there's the the how many are we? Seven captains of the men's and women's team. We have four, and they have, they have four too. Yeah, some abroad. Okay, so there's there's a lot of upperclassmen that play, and you know. We're all friendly and open and love to have you, you know? Well, with so many players, how do you determine lineups? <laughs> um, well, we have, we have a, a pool of 25 guys who are our A-team. Um, and then with, you know, injury and sort of like different levels of, 
commitment on the lower end, it, it's usually about 18 or 19 people that we actually take to these tournaments. Um, and then we, depending on who our opponent is, we'll play, we'll either play stronger or weaker lines, rest guys, because ultimate tournaments are, are, are long. You play four, four games in a day. Um, and so we need, we need sort of everyone to, you know, be out there and, and covering for, and giving other guys breaks, you know, to stay in it. Yeah. And the women's team, pretty big roster also. Yeah, we do. I think our roster is a little bit smaller than the men's team, but we have a good solid 20 people that we bring as our A team to competitive tournaments. Nice. Just any other thoughts from both of you about going to regionals? Because it's end of the month, I believe, right? Yep. It's in two weekends. Not this coming weekend, but the one after that. It's exciting to be one of the top seeds. Uh, we were talking about this before, but we'll be probably one, two, three, or four um, out of 12. And so we'll get, we'll get a favorable draw going into it and hopefully um, – None, none of the games are easy, but a, a lighter start to Saturday, um, and then you know we like our chances going into the bracket play. So it'll all come down to Sunday. Absolutely. And then on your end, I know you the women's team has been before. Also, what lessons maybe learned from previous experiences at regionals? Um, I think in past years we've been a lot less physically fit, and this year we've been doing a lot to kind of fix that problem. And so I think as long as we can keep up our physical fitness and make sure that our fundamental skills are kind of locked down, that that'll be one of the most important things going into this next couple weekends. All right, great. Well, Emmett and Claire, we're very excited, obviously, on the success of both ultimate teams, beating Colby and Bowden in sectionals, going to regionals again, and hopefully with, with a shot at nationals. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Next time on the Bates Bobcast, we'll recap what promises to be a very busy week of Bates Athletics. Students may be on break, but there is not an off day on the schedule for the rest of the month for our Bobcats. Go to athletics.bates.edu for the complete schedule. Safe to say this is a huge week for the lacrosse and baseball programs as potential postseason play is on the line. We'll recap it all next time on the Bates Bobcast.